Aloha. Welcome to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And as always, I am super stoked and excited about this episode. I'm really, really excited that I brought this podcast back online. Many of you know that if you've been keeping up with these episodes, you know that I had an archived podcast series in 2013 called the Expanded Health and Human Potential Radio Show. And I have been presenting some of those archived episodes This episode is the first um, new episode in the sense that we recorded this a few months ago before I left for uh, the island of Kauai here, which is now my home. Um, I recorded this episode with this gentleman in his office over in downtown Los Angeles at the Jing Herbs headquarters right before I left because I knew that this would come into play. I knew that I would need that recording Um, in person before I left uh, LA. So I'm super excited to be able to now present it to all of you. This individual is somebody that's played a paramount role in my education when it comes to Taoist tonic herbalism, Chinese herbalism, not just the Chinese medical theory, but the Taoist perspective on Chinese herbalism, which is essentially the original teachings of Chinese medicine. And we go into that. We go into the differences of TCM, which is traditional Chinese medicine, um, versus or in contrast to the Taoist herbal perspective or even the Taoist immortal perspective of longevity and youth and, and vitality and vigor and all that amazing stuff that we associate with the ancient doctrines or the ancient systems of medicine. And Dr. Lamoureux is not just a wealth of information, not just an encyclopedia on the subject, but a true connoisseur of, in my approximation, what an embodiment of a teacher is, what the embodiment of of the Shen essence is. And we talk a lot about what the Shen is. The Shen in Chinese terms, in Chinese herbal terms, is the quintessential essence of who you are. It's the radiance of your personality, of your passion, your enthusiasm for life. And we discuss that into detail and how that directly affects every other facet of your life and of your ultimate health strategy and health quest. There's so much I could say about this man in this episode. I'd rather just introduce it for you and let you dive head first. So without further ado, I want to introduce to all of you Dr. George Lamoureux. Enjoy. Dr. George Lamoureux is the founder of JingHerbs.com. He is a licensed acupuncturist and has been a tonic and clinical herbalist for more than two decades. George received his master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine in 1998 from the prestigious Yosan University being taught by the well-known Taoist masters, Drs. Dao Xing and Mao Xing Ni. In 2002, George incorporated Jing Herbs to establish a company that would be true to the Taoist teachings of his mentors, both modern and ancient. 
Jing Herbs Today is one of the world's most trusted authorities in the art and science of tonic herbs. George began studying medical Qigong in 2011 at the International College of Medical Qigong with Dr. Bernard Shannon. He was certified as a medical Qigong practitioner in 2012. In 2014, George received his doctoral degree specializing in healthy aging and longevity from Yoshan University. He was also he has also done postgraduate studies with Bob Flaws in the field of gynecology and fertility. Dr. Lamoureux is a published author, teacher, and has lectured across the country and in Europe. He has been a frequent speaker at his good friend David Wolf's Longevity Conference and Women's Wellness Conference. He has shared the stage with such health luminaries as Donna Gates, Truth Calkins, Daniel Vitalis, and Dr. Joseph Mercola. Thank you so much for being with us here, George. It's a pleasure to be with you, Ronnie. Yeah, so we have a little bit of a history together. You've been someone that has been primary, been the primary leading um, tonic herbal mentor for me. Actually, I've had a lot of people that have entered my sphere over the years, both physically and from a distance, that have influenced me when it comes to traditional and modern day Chinese tonic herbalism. And I have to say, you're you being you know so giving with your knowledge and your experience with me has been something that's been foundational for me to actually learn more about this sacred art form that I so love now. So I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for being so generous with your your sharings of your knowledge. I'm, I'm really honored that I could be in that position for you. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's really great. Yeah. So what I want to start off this this interview with is something I was thinking about earlier today is that we have such an eclectic um, diversity of friends and colleagues in our community, probably more so than any other community when I really think about it, the health and natural health uh, culture. It's something that's emerging. It's such a diverse um, categorization of people. Every time I, I go into our community, I see a different array of personalities, human design types, and backgrounds, people coming from different backgrounds. And that's something I want to dive in with you because it's my observation and my experience that most of us that are devoting our life to this path aren't typically brought up with this. We don't we aren't typically brought up with the the wisdom teachings of herbalism or or organic foods or permaculture. Something typically happens to most of us that some people they have a chronic stress um, issue or, or a disease or something they're dealing with that 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 is like the straw that breaks the camel's back and then that leads them to to discover these teachings. Um, so I want to talk about what's your background. What wh- where do you come from and what got you into this field? Um, well, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know about uh, this about me, but um, I actually. Uh, come from a Wall Street background. Um, I was uh, a crude oil trader on the New York Market Exchange uh, in New York, and I did that for quite a long time. 
Um, I also traded gold. I traded government bonds. Mm. So that's definitely where I came from. Now, in the course of that lifestyle and of the kind of lifestyle that I was leading at the time, like a lot of people who get into the health field, it's because they've come to a a personal crisis. They've come to a period where they realize, especially speaking personally, I realized that if I did not change the choices that I was making in my life, that I literally would not be on the planet much longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, to someone's eye, the lifestyle that I had was probably enviable at the time. But what you see externally is not always what's going on on the the inside. And I was... You know, I, I really was at a point where I was certainly um, ailing spiritually and physically and emotionally. So on all those levels, I knew that I had to change. And it was just a point where, you know, uh, it, it could be divine inspiration or it could, it you know, for me... It was almost that inner voice saying, if you do not stop this, you will kill us. And that was pretty clear. And so I did have to make that decision. Yeah. So that's where I had to get out of what I was doing, which was a great No, I mean, it's not a loss, but at the same time, um, it's a really difficult choice to make because when you get well-established in a certain career, it's really hard to give up what you've really accomplished Mm -hmm. and, you know, make a 180-degree, you know, turn. Um, But I had to do that. So... Uh, I transitioned, you know, getting to where I am now was not a direct line. So I didn't go right from Wall Street into herbalism, into into the health field. I was transitioning. (laughs) So I actually became a professional chef. Mm. Um, And it was during the time that I was a professional chef. I was the head pastry chef at one of Wolfgang Puck's restaurants in Malibu. Okay. And it was during that time when one of my coworkers used to come in every day and he had this jar of brown, muddy-looking liquid that he used to drink every day. And one of the things that I noticed about this person was that he always had incredible energy. He was always in a good mood never got sick. So I thought there must be something in what he's drinking. And I started talking to him about it. And he subsequently brought me to an herb store in California that was in Venice at the time. Um, And that was my first introduction to herbalism. And the very first herb that I ever took 
was reishi mushroom. Uh-huh. And the very first time that I took that mushroom was life-changing because I felt a shift. The very first time I took reishi, I felt a shift in my whole being, in how I saw things. And I thought, okay, I think this is something that I might want to pursue. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while, but um, here's the thing about me. When I decide to do something, I, I don't do it on a very superficial level. Mm-hmm. I go for the essence. So I decided, okay, this is part of traditional Chinese medicine. So this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to study. This is what I'm going to pursue, which is when I went to acupuncture school. Okay. Um, and studying the medicine, studying the theory behind herbalism and acupuncture, both because they really are the right and left hand of that medicine. Um, and that was, that was the beginning of my sojourn in the health field. And I had to work on myself first Mm -hmm. because if I didn't, you know, if I didn't affect what needed to be done in my own life, I couldn't possibly have tried to affect anybody else's life. You know, I had to work on myself first, which I did. And then in 2008, um, well, I founded this company and started <clears throat> Jing Herbs. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. And there's a few there's a few insights worth unpacking. But I think um, I think the one thing, or there's two things in there that really speak out to me. The first thing is that you mentioned that it wasn't a straight line, and this is one of the things that just just from a a self evolvement self-growth perspective because um still as a young man i still come up against the 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 inner critic Mm -hmm. of of oh you should be over here by now you should have done this look at this other person you should be you know the whole you know um the quickest way to z is is a straight line right the quickest way to another point is a straight line which is a man-made theory. It, nature doesn't work like that. Nature works in sacred geometrical patterns, and it's like it's irrational, right? Non-linear, and and that's something that I've only started to fully understand. You know, studying like the people like David Hawking's and power versus force, and and really understanding like, oh, wait a minute, like everyone has their own unique divine path, and it's non-linear. So I really, I really appreciate you even just mentioning that. And for people to hear that, because I know, um, I have a lot of friends that are, that are budding entrepreneurs that, you know, one of the things I notice on the online culture is that there's this whole explosion of like entrepreneurialism, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. And that blends into the health culture because I have a lot of, there's a lot of health oriented people that want to use that, that they want to leverage their passion for health and turn it into a business of some sort. And one of the things that, that I noticed, and I think this is kind of like a Taoist, um, uh, Eastern philosophical point of view is that, um, youth, youth is wasted on the young, so to speak. And in terms of 
wisdom only comes through certain life experience and the wisdom to look back and realize like, hey, you know what? It didn't, I didn't have to have everything all at once right away. Right. No, exactly. And, you know, the thing about where I started, where I came from, okay, there are so many experiences that I went through in my life. And there are so many bad choices that I made in my life, mm-hmm. really, really bad lifestyle choices that I made in my life. Okay. But if I did not do that, all right, I would not be able to understand anybody else who has also made those same choices. I sort of, I can, I can identify with a lot of places that people have been and if they are trying to come out of that space, I can be there to help them come out of that mm. space because I had to do it myself. Right. And, you know, like one of the things is you have to really appreciate the unfolding of your life as it happens <laughs> and not be so, um, so, so in a hurry right. to get where you've got to go. It's, you know, like it's, there may be a goal there in fact, but it really is the journey that that's where all the juicy stuff takes Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. That's where all the things that matter take place. And so, uh, yeah. And, And the other thing is, you know, there are a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and they want to be somewhere. But one of the things that I would also suggest and say that they have to pay attention to their intention when they do something like this, especially um, in the field of health, because ultimately you do want to be helpful to people. That's what you're there for. You're there for service. All right. And that's what a lot of people who want to start a business don't understand necessarily is that you're not there it's not about selling, it's about serving, mm-hmm. ultimately. So you want to do that first. And if you've got that intention down, then the rest will be okay. Right. But you have to have that first. Provide, provide more value than you're quote-unquote charging for, and yeah, then everything will work itself out. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, and it actually brings me into the next segue that I want to go into with you, which is very much um, um, Chinese herbal related and just your perspectives on this. This is an interesting thing I thought about earlier is you just mentioned or previously you had mentioned um, not having a superficial approach to this study, but really understanding what what the the predecessors were going for what was their thought process what were they what was going on in their mind when they took a eucomia bark off a rubber tree what were they thinking right like that's very interesting to me too is that i want to understand instead of just taking some powder and then calling it something and saying it does a b c and d i want to understand like what even what inspired someone to do that you know and 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 then also, like, what is the, the practical application, the theory, the, the, the science of it all? Um, how do all these things um, uh, coalesce together? So with that, I'm interested in your perspective on the differences between more of a, a Taoist approach versus um, more of a TCM approach. Because, you know, traditional Chinese medicine is, is – 
Um, I don't, I don't want to over, um, materialize it, but, but, um, in, in the sense that it's, it's symptomatic, right? Right. It's a medical approach. So it's, it's diagnostic related. Yeah. Okay. So I I can't go into the whole history of TCM, but let me just say this. All right. In the cultural revolution, all right, Mm. what Mao Zedong tried to accomplish was the scientification of Chinese medicine. So what he decided that he needed to do was he had to strip all of the, like the spiritual aspects out of it to make it more palatable to the Western so like, mind. To make it less woo-woo. To make it less woo-woo. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in doing that, he actually was stripping away the essence and the beauty of that medicine. Mm-hmm. And in you know most TCM universities today, we are getting that product. We're getting that sterilized, that mm. scientific, you know, medicine that our culture is more comfortable with. But for me personally, I strove in my studies to put that back in to the, because it's, you know, because it's basically the essence of what we do. The Taoist philosophy and, and all of the writings of the ancients that you were saying, um, you know, what could they have been thinking? Like, what was Shen Nung thinking when he was going out and looking at these herbs? You have to understand, these people were absolutely in touch with nature. They were in touch with their environment. They were part of it. Yes. You know, they were absolutely <clears throat> imbued with their environment. And they weren't, they didn't feel separated from nature. So when they went around in their environment and they saw something... Well, they had to question, okay, why is this here? What is it here to teach me? What is it doing? And they started experimenting and taking it. Um, And obviously, they were so clairvoyant. They were so Mm. in tune that they could actually decipher where the energy of those herbs were going in their body. And what they were doing. So, you know, I I certainly honor all of those observations that they made. Those are very valid observations that they made about the herbs and in Chinese medicine. So why strip it away? It's it's what gives the medicine its meaning and its beauty and its mm-hmm. and its mm-hmm. art. I mean I don't and you know I certainly don't have anything against the scientific method. And we find now more and more that all of the things that, the, that they said about these herbs that they did is being borne out by scientific research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they definitely got it right to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's, it's so fascinating. I, I remember listening to Michael Beckwith from Agape, and he was bringing up the same point: is that you know now science is is just telling us what the mystics have always known, is that you know essentially 
you know, there's the scientific method and, and not going into a whole thing about that, but just it's a different language. It's yeah. a, it's, it, that's really what it looks like to me is that it's a, it's a more concretized, more linear and mathematically orientated language to help right. explain um, what what is not understandable by the Western mind, so to speak. Right. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like there has to be a collaboration to open to open the conscious awareness to to both you know understanding like the practical applications you know yeah. like reishi mushroom is great for liver regulation and the blood and and memory retention and all and but but the essence of reishi mushroom is not that you you clean up the body so you can get to a higher domain of of however you want to say a conscious awareness or higher conscious aptitude but essentially the the essence to me of a reishi mushroom is in its its spiritually amplifying effects that we call shen right yeah no ex- yeah precisely you know it's it's really interesting because in in my in the practice of herbalism okay um i often feel constrained by uh how I have to word things and put it across to people so that they'll understand what this herb is about. And for the most, and and I wish it were different, but you know, like most of the time people come to us with condition, with condition specific problems that they want to address with herbalism. And it does do that. And we can do that. Um, Certainly in tonic herbalism, our philosophy is more being proactive and preventative than it is trying to treat something after it's gone wrong. What you want to do is you want to address it and prevent it from ever happening. And that's what we really are about. Um, but I, I do wish that most uh, more people uh, would have the intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. to find out what's really behind these herbs. What are they saying to us? What are they doing for us? And it's not always just on the physical level. As you yeah. mentioned, reishi, which you know is my favorite herb in the mm-hmm. whole world. Um, yeah. Well, the reason we love it is because it is the most incredible shentonic there is. It has an absolutely transformational energy to it that brings you to a higher level mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. to a higher level now does it is it good for the cardiovascular system absolutely <laughs> is it good for the hepatic you know the 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 liver mm-hmm. and protecting the liver tissue absolutely is it a good antihistamine yes is it an immune regulator? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it one of the medicinal mushrooms that has anti-tumor, anti, you know, carcinogenic activity? All of that stuff. But we prize it because it's a shantan. Yeah, that's why you see artifacts and paintings and depictions. And further back than we, we probably actually understand and in, in human Chinese history of, you know, reishi mushroom being heralded as the premier, you know, herb. And why is that? Because it was good for all those things? 
pro- that's probably not the reason that it was so revered, right? Is is there's probably a deeper, more more uh, you know quintessential reason for that. Well, when they when they call it the mushroom of immortality, right? right. And good fortune, you know, um, that gives you some idea. Gives you a little glimpse into their thought process of uh, of where it was in in their in their herbal pharmacopoeia. Right. I mean, it's in it's in their literature. It's in their art. Um, the the actual um, it's called the Ruyi. The actual scepters of the emperors of China were carved in the shape of reishi mushrooms. Oh, wow. The staff and the head of it was the reishi mushroom. It, it was, it, which only spoke to the power. Yeah. Not that, I mean, they would, you know, they would talk, that, that signified earthly power, but this mushroom is the power, it's a spiritual power. Like, so this would be the herb of all the sages and the philosophers Absolutely. and the Shaolin monks. Yes. And people that were, not on a commoner's type of path in life, but we're on like a very deep, devoted, spiritual, ethereal quest, so to speak. No, absolutely. And if you think about, I mean, mushrooms in general, but reishi mushroom, mm-hmm. for the most part, um, these are neither plants nor animals. Mm-hmm. They are sort of like in between, but the research that they've done on mushrooms sort of bears out that they're closer to animals than they are to plants. Mm-hmm. And one of the most amazing things about these mushrooms is um, they create their life force unlike any other plant does. Like most plants require sunlight mm-hmm. for photosynthesis, mm-hmm. okay? Mushrooms create their life force without the energy of the sun. And that says something about them, that they're able to generate life force right. without an element like sunshine. Right. So there, what's inter- this, this is a really interesting point that I want to I kind of just drive in a little further. So they're basically anaerobic by nature. So they don't, they don't necessarily respire based on oxygenation the same way or or photosynthesis they don't they don't go through that same metabolic process the way a plant does they're a fungus right and yet what's interesting about something like reishi mushroom is that it's an anti-pathogenic fungus so like you know the old the old story on like um uh what was it the ph miracle diet and i read those books back in the day um you know, and like you, you can't you can't have mushrooms because they're going to cause candida and they're going to cause fungal growth. And the cosmic giggle of that whole situation is that the very thing that may be the most powerful thing at, at modulating or helping to push back a fungal growth is a f- is a medicinal mushroom. is a medicinal mushroom. Yeah, right. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and of course, and we're not talking about button mushrooms, right? Which exactly. are which are fungus that can in fact be yeah. detrimental mm-hmm. but no these are yeah They're highly unique specimens yeah i think paul stamets actually said that um, the medicinal mushrooms share the same aversion to the same pathogens as humans absolutely like so antibiotics basically absolutely yeah and 
Yeah, I mean, one of the fascinating things about our own immune systems, as they have evolved, have specific receptor sites. Our immune cells have specific receptor sites for the polysaccharides in medicinal mushrooms. Specific, but, but not specific yeah. receptor sites. So, I mean, I find that absolutely mind-blowing. <laughs> That our immune systems, mm-hmm. in their evolution, have sites for the chemical constituents of medicinal mushrooms. Right. And so these would be, are you referring to like beta-glucan specific? Well, I mean, just polysaccharides. A, a beta, beta-glucan is one of the polysaccharides. Right, right. There, are, there, are, there are heteroglucans. There are all kinds of other polysaccharides, right. not only beta-glucans, but yes. Right. They have receptor sites for that. Right. Yeah, that well, that that's that is the the thing that I love. I love that you brought that up. Is that's kind of the the little deeper mystery of all this stuff? Is that you know, there's so much stuff that science, quote unquote science, and this is a very scientific fact that you're actually talking about, but but it also blends in that that mystery of like what is all this stuff. And again, it brings it back to like what was Shen Nong even going for when he was just, you know, running around in the, the forest essentially and just comes up on this mushroom or comes up on this ginseng or this whatever the case is. And um, actually segueing into the next thing that I think really deserves um, an exploration into, um, I think there's a deep – there's a deep um, – What's the word? Uh, I almost want to say like cosmic connection, but whatever that, whatever the the, the word I'm looking to describe this next thing is, um, there was a, there was an intrinsic connection by the attunement of being in nature, not being insulated from nature, right? And so that's one thing I've noticed with with my when I first got into all this stuff, it was through raw living foods, and then that awoke a layer of my 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 sleeping mask. It, it removed that first layer, and then I got into green juices and superfood smoothies. That removed another layer. Then I got into tonic herbalism in, in spring water, and that that right there, the tonic herbalism piece. Once I had these other pieces sorted out, that that was a whole thing that like woke me up to, a, you know, I, just a whole different way of even understanding life. Not to mention the Taoist philosophy. So let's jump into that. Let's talk about the three treasures because this is this is a concept that even if we're not talking about herbalism, this this is something that for me personally guides me. What state of being am I in, and what treasures am I nurturing within myself? Um, not just for now, not just for today to maximize today, but I want another 100 or 200 years. How am I ensuring that I get that? And I've found that coming back to the three treasure philosophy has been the most simple and yet profound thing that that's helped me, you know, guide my decisions every day. So let, let's jump into that. What are the three treasures? And then let's let's talk about how important they are. Okay. Um well, classically, the three treasures are Jing, Qi, and Shen. Um, they are, they're basically the same stuff, but manifesting differently. Mm. Okay. Um, so the Jing is basically your ancestral energy. 
All right, that is passed on to you at the moment of your conception. Your parents donate that to you. Mm. All right, um, it is by far the densest energy that there is in the body. So it basically determines your constitution. It determines somewhat what your longevity is going to be. Not that anything is predetermined. It's like your potential. Jing is pure potential. Pure, okay. Jing is always the process of becoming, of mm. unfolding. Mm. Always in the process of transformation. Okay, so although it's, um, it's a dense substance, it's a dense energy, it's not a static energy. It doesn't just sit there. Right. Okay. So it's always on its way to becoming something else. Um, in its first transformation, that's usually the chi. That's, that's the second treasure, right? Um, chi is basically the stuff that stuff is made of. Uh, you know, if you look at this wall, that wall is, is made of some kind of chi. It's a very static chi, but it's chi nevertheless. That is energy mm, in some mm-hmm, form. Mm-hmm. Okay, you and I are. Mm-hmm. The water is. So all different phenomena, phenomenological manifestations are all a manifestation of chi. Okay? I always think of chi as the animating force Absolutely. in the human experience. It, yes. Okay. Yes. It, it, what, it, it's what moves things. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, there is certainly different kinds of chi even in the body and mm. I'm not going to get into all of those right. because that's really going into TCM and you know <laughs> that division of all this stuff but um, basically what you need to do with the food that you eat in the air that you breathe that's how you're going to support the chi in your body on a day-to-day basis okay so the digestive system and the lung energy are two of the most important organ systems in the body to create the amount of chi that you need to run on a day-to-day basis, all right? Your lifestyle choices, your dietary habits, your sleeping habits will also define how much chi you actually use on a day-to-day basis. Now, what you want to do is at the end of the day, you want to have a surplus because if you have a surplus, that can actually be concentrated and stored as jing. So you're protecting that reserve that you have. If you have a lifestyle like I had when I was in New York as a crude oil trader, and on a day-to-day basis, my lifestyle was a deficit, all right? So what my body started to do is it started to tap into the jing energy just to survive, Mm -hmm. okay? That's when you have things like chronic fatigue syndrome, adrenal blowout, adrenal exhaustion, all right? You haven't produced enough energy to protect the jing. Okay, so then the next transformation, as far as that energy goes, is the shen. Now, the shen is the most refined energy of the body. Your thought processes Mm. are shen. Your mind is shen. Certainly your heart, that's Shen. 
your humanity, your connection to the divine is Shen, your compassion, all of those things. That is Shen. Um, You can see that primarily in someone's eyes. You can see the light of their life uh, in their eyes. You look at someone and you go, that person's got... Or, Or even like if you feel an attraction towards someone. Mm-hmm. When you look at them, you go, wow, this person's got something. Okay. Right. That's basically, so like that's the, the Shen just shining forth. Yeah. That's yeah. the light. It's like a magnetism or yeah. resonance. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's actually a really interesting idea because, um, when I look at the world, oftentimes I'm, I'm, I notice that, you know, we might call it a Shen disturbance, and I would love to actually talk about that very concept, but I notice with people, and, I, and I've definitely experienced it with myself at times, a nullification that happens with people, where people are actually numbing out, and they can't feel, there's like, there, there's a, there is an epidemic right now in our world of the, the insulation from our heart, if you will, where we literally can't feel other people, we can't feel ourselves, you know, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. But that's that's an observation I've had just just trying to wonder, understand this wild, wonky world we live in mm-hmm. and what makes people do the things they do. And I realized, like, wow, oh, whoa, wait a minute. People are disconnected. They're insulated. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, whatever the judgment is. But my observation is that, like, wow, there's a there's a there's a disconnect from compassion and empathy and understanding and there's a, there's there's an excess of judgment and so just from that perspective i i i've heard you and i've heard many other um Taoist specific um herbal practitioners use the term shen disturbance mm-hmm. so what is that referring to exactly yeah i'm i'm first of all i'm going to sort of give you the you know there's a term called shin fa Mm. in Taoism, which is which is basically cultivation of the heart. All right. And something that you mentioned before we started recording was um, your authentic self. Right. All right. So anytime that you act from a place that is not your authentic self, that could actually be considered a Shen disturbance. Mm. All right. So now when we talk about Shen disturbances, uh, sometimes that's more, uh, maybe a little bit more severe when we talk about Shen disturbances um, really means that there are such major imbalances in the physical body and in the emotional body um, that the person has basically lost sight of who they are. Right. Yeah. Okay. They no longer have that connection. There is somewhat of a dissociation between they could literally feel that they don't belong in their own, in their own skin. Um, That can be all different gradations in severity. I mean, we live in Los Angeles. You can see people walking the streets, the homeless, 
people who have really bad mental conditions that requires help and they're not getting it. But you can see perfect examples of like major Shen disturbance with someone just walking down the street ranting. Right, right. So it's, you know, it's like, like that, 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 what I see, and I've studied a little bit of the, um, the occult arts and uh-huh. black magic and all that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, and um, it, for me, it just looks like they're possessed. There's a possession going on there. Well, there could be. Yeah. That's not that that has to be interpreted. Well, that's cer- that certainly is a Shen disturbance. Right. They're, Where they're their not, soul is not, not anchored in the cockpit. Well, it doesn't belong to them any longer. It <laughs> belongs to somebody else altogether. That's, <laughs> that's real possession. Right. But, um, but most of the time, you know, like when we talk about Shen disturbance, as I said before, it's, it's someone acting um, not from who they, they truly are, but they're acting according to uh, a certain persona that they mm. think they have to have at the time or um, that they're required to be in front of certain people or in front of certain groups. It's what they think is accepted or, or expected mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. to do. Um, so, but again, they're not being true to themselves. So that is definitely going to cause an imbalance in their shen, in their spirit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. And I think we've all experienced that as you, you told me your story of where you come from in your career. And that clearly was not your authentic destiny. But you went through that experience that that ultimately led you to the place where I'm pretty sure you feel like this is your dharma. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, right? absolutely. And it definitely shows absolutely. for me to, to see you because you have that Shen expression, the, you're literally the, the, the personification of Shen. And that's why I'm so attracted to being around you and I enjoy being around you because you, you display that characteristic more pronounced than than most people I'm around. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm still on that journey. Uh, Right. Right. But thank you. (laughs) It's it's a constant evolution. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just speaks to the power of, you know, this is an idea that, that I've always, I've always grown up with and I've nurtured within myself when times get really tough or I get confused, I get lost. I always have to bring it back to the idea that, um, no matter how bad things are, the seed of its very solution is built right into the into the problem, but it just requires awareness. And um, and there's there's something there for somebody, you know. For example, um, I have a friend, uh, Dave Conrardi. Um, his, his nickname is Dave the Raw Food Trucker, mm-hmm. and basically his story is, is very similar to to yours in a different way and many other people that we know is that he was a prototypical truck driver, you know, driving eight to 12 hours a day, heavy set, about 450 pounds. And he told me his whole story and it really almost tripped me out to, to understand the psychology of obesity and just being on that razor's edge of, uh, if making a choice, literally, okay, I'm going to live or I'm just going to, you know, I'm the talk, the clock's going to keep on ticking. And when it, when it clocks out, I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. Long story short, he, um, he decided, he told me, this is what every single person that's on there, that razor's edge decides 
on their final hour, they either make a choice to live and they cut everything out they, and then that's it. Or they go the other way and they, they decide, you know what, the fried chicken and the cheese and the, the pasteurized milk and whatever and the, the smoking and whatever the thing is, they, they're just going to keep doing it and just enjoy their, their day in the sun. Right. And he actually decided to go the, that way. He decided, you know what, I'm just going to go down that path and, and that's fine. And what's interesting to me about that story is that um, God's delays are not God's denials. And this is the, this is what awakened my heart a little bit, um, is that he told me one day he's driving his truck and then a couple comes onto his truck to be trained by him. I guess they were doing some kind of, some kind of work gig. And it turns out they were raw foodists. <laughs> it's, the, it's the most hilarious thing because they taught him about juicing and something clicks on with him. And he literally takes a juicer and stops off at every truck stop, charges up the juicer, gets like 64 ounces of green juice and takes it with him on, on every run. He loses over a year, loses like 200 pounds, quits his truck driving gig and starts going around the world profitizing about raw food. And that's why they call him the raw food trucker. But the teachers always appear when you need them. Yes. Which is a very, which is a very like (laughs) Eastern kind of principle, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing about it is, and, and for me personally, that transformation, that moment when you're on the razor's edge there's also a moment where you become aware of your self-worth. Right. Which you may not have had before. Because if you're aware of your self-worth, you don't make the kind of decisions like I made about my lifestyle. Because it doesn't, it's incongruent. Yes. Okay. When, when you get in touch with who you are, when you get in touch with your spirituality and your divinity, mm-hmm. okay, you cannot sustain the things that you were doing before. In fact, it becomes more painful. Absolutely. Down the road if you keep those habits up, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you. I think that's really important for people to hear because I know so many people, myself included at times, we get off, we lose track of things and then we experience that, that, that pain that we may not have felt before and wonder why that is and it's it's essentially it's your your spirit wanting to grow with you but the habits are not congruent like you said so there's a disharmonic state and it's in you know you have to basically come to that point where you you decide hey you know what i am actually worth it my value cannot be quantified based on the material world and I, I just have to make the, diso- the choice that I'm going to start upgrading my life. And, and my advice is to, to add in some of these amazing herbs like reishi mushroom, if you want to fast track that, <laughs> right? As, right? as your experience, my experience, and pretty much actually every single herbalist I've ever met got really turned on by reishi. That was the thing. So that's probably why I, I just tell people like, Instead of telling them about any like technical stuff, it's like look, just, they're like, what, "What do I do?" It's like reishi. <laughs> you do reishi, and then you let it unfold from there. Exactly right. 
No, yeah. I, 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 I don't disagree with that at all. <laughs> I think it's sound advice. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for joining us here. Um, it's been is my there, pleasure. Yeah, is there any more parting words for the audience? Um, well, if you haven't incorporated tonic herbs into your lifestyle, by all means do that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be reishi, but choose one. Mm. and start taking it yeah because as i said before there's something to be learned from these herbs not only experienced but there's something to be learned from these herbs they will teach you Mm. so i would highly recommend that everyone does that so they could actually be your your mentors in a in a roundabout way yes yeah Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Holistic Life Mastery Podcast.